the following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Without freedom of the press, no democratic form of government could exist. We switch you now to London. I'm standing on a rooftop looking out over London. Good night and good luck. Good evening from our CBS newsroom in New York. NBC presents Chet Huntley and David Brinkley. From ABC, this is World News Tonight. With Peter Jennings in London, Max Robinson in Chicago, and from our desk in Washington, Frank Reynolds. Good evening. This historic legislation, the telecommunications law, will create many, many high-wage jobs. will create opportunity and better lives for all Americans. When the press is free, the people of a country are free. When the press is not free, the people of a country are in danger of slavery. Keeping you informed with information, news, and the views of people making the news. It's the Nicole Sandler Show on NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. All right. All right. We got to get things started in a hurry today because we got a busy, busy show. So we'll kick things off with a little bit of the funny From Stephen Colbert. Throughout the trip, Trump has insisted that instead of protests, the people of London have been cheering. Today he was right because he left. Trump's currently uh, in Ireland. Haven't my people suffered enough? Yeah. (laughs) Right after landing, Trump met with Irish leader and Celtic Popeye Leo Varadkar. And I mean right after landing because instead of meeting at a castle... Like the Irish government suggested, Trump greeted our ally in the VIP lounge of Shannon Airport. (laughs) Oh, the grandeur. (laughs) They've released the menu for that state dinner. It's a bottle of Dasani, a bag of gummy worms, followed by a short can of Pringles. Trump immediately... For dessert, Biscoff, Biscoff crackers... Trump immediately made a bold claim. We have millions of Irish, and I think I know most of them because they're my friends. Oh, we, my God. Uh, we love the Irish. What do you... Oh, my God. What do you mean you know most of them? There are 30 million Irish Americans. I know them all. I know the, the Lucky Charms guy. Uh, <laughs> Liam Neeson. Uh, uh-huh. uh-huh. Filet o fish, uh, <laughs> patio furniture, are the. Before he left the UK, Trump attended the commemoration of the 75th anniversary of D Day, where he read from a prayer originally delivered by FDR on the radio, and then he remembered that fateful landing at Omaha Beach, where the Allies fought against the Nazis. Very fine people on both sides. Oh! oh! Yeah. Yeah. What more do you need? Um, Very fine people on both sides. That's what you think of coming out of Donald Trump's mouth when you hear about the Nazis. Anyway, uh, I told you we'd keep it short and sweet today because we got a busy show for you. Welcome to it. I'm Nicole Sandler. Thank you for being here. It's a Thursday, which means we will be visited in the second half hour of the program by the one and the only Howie Klein. You know Howie. He blogs it down with tyranny.com, and he's uh, the, the, the guy, along with Digby of Digby's blog and John Amato of Crooks and Liars, um, the powers behind the Blue America Pack, who does everything to find identify and recruit the best progressives to run for office, especially Congress, and help raise money for them and all that. Okay, um, but before we get there, you know, we've been hearing uh, Dump, you know, drone on and on about his USMCA. It's fun to play at the USMCA, the USMCA. MCA. Sorry, I get carried away sometimes. Anyway, um, this is Trump's uh, NAFTA 2.0. Now, we know NAFTA was bad. We spent uh, close to a decade fighting against the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and it's the one thing that Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump had in common. But, you know, Trump is going on and on about his USMCA. So I thought, let's get a quick update on what's happening with Donald Trump's 
trade deals. So, so we're, we're, there she is. Uh, we're reaching out to Lori Wallach. She's the director of Public Citizens Global Trade Watch. You can find them online at citizen.org slash trade. Lori Wallach, I, I believe is with us. Is that you, Lori? That's me. Thank you so much for joining us today. You know, you and I have spoken a number of times over the years. We spoke at length about the evils that were written into the the so-called Trans-Pacific Partnership, the TPP, uh, that in the last presidential election, uh, Bernie Sanders was campaigning very hard against. He, he educated us as to why that would be a really bad trade deal for us to enter. Um, and trade sometimes, I guess, makes strange bedfellows because uh, it put him in a category with Donald Trump. Um, it, it's kind of the only thing they dis- they agreed on. Did, were there disagreements about the same things, though, Lori? Absolutely. I mean, Trump very, very astutely seized mm-hmm. on what is an empirical fact, which is working people have been injured, have lost jobs, have lost wages, communities have been gutted by a set of corporate rig trade agreements, starting with NAFTA in the 1990s. So the fact that Bernie Sanders has been saying that and progressive Democrats have been saying that forever, and occasional Republican has, and Trump, whatever he is, said it, it's, it's the facts, and I'm sure it was, I mean, the data shows it was a factor in Trump winning Wisconsin, Ohio, Michigan, etc., Pennsylvania, that voters there heard him talking their line about what had happened in their lives and heard the Democrats not speaking about it as strongly on a presidential level in that election cycle. The difference is what you do about it. So the version of what you would do to fix U.S. trade policies that, say, Senator Warren in her presidential campaign just released earlier this week, or Senator Sanders has been promoting forever, mm-hmm. those notions, or right now that House Democrats are pushing to, to get fixed up, the NAFTA replacement deal that Trump signed last year wouldn't yeah. stop the ongoing problems, would create new problems. Democrats are pushing to try and get that done right. The How you fix it is where basically the parties part. Okay. So so now we have Donald Trump pushing his new deal, what many most are calling NAFTA 2.0, because apparently it's not that different from the original NAFTA, but Donald Trump insists on calling it the USMCA. Um, is there anything in there that's worthwhile? Is there anything that's different? Is there any reason why our, um, uh, you know, that, that we should go to this new trade deal with Canada and Mexico? Well, here's the good news. Actually, the only good guy in the whole administration is the guy who's the trade guy, and his name's Bob Lighthizer. And okay. He's worked with groups like us at Public Citizen and unions for decades. And he actually did get managed to fix some really bad things that progressives have been demanding it change. So he largely whacked the whole investor-state dispute settlement system Mm-hmm. that also was at the heart of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Those are those outrageous tribunals where multinational corporations can attack U.S. laws and tribunals of three corporate attorneys can order U.S. taxpayers to pay unlimited compensation to the multinationals. Right. By simply convincing these, company, these, these corporate lawyers that some special privileges, protections, and rights not to be regulated for environment or health in the agreement have been undermined. Under NAFTA, hundreds of millions have been paid out to multinationals attacking energy policies, timber policies, water policies, tax expands. So the great news is the revised deal totally eliminates that system between the U.S. and Canada, which actually most of the payouts have been U.S. corporations attacking Canada's better environmental laws. And with Mexico, it rolls most of it back, but there's one little leftover loophole that still needs to be fixed. Another great thing that happened is they got rid of the pretty outrageous NAFTA trucks provision, which allowed trucks that didn't meet safety or environmental standards to have absolute guaranteed access to right. all roads in North That's America. Right. Okay. Another good thing they did is they added a really powerful annex on labor rights in Mexico that if, 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 if it were enforced, could actually start to make a difference for wages in Mexico, which of course is a moral imperative. Wages in Mexico since NAFTA are lower than before NAFTA, 40% lower than China industrial wages right now. But that also is a huge draw for outsourcing of American jobs. NAFTA helps corporations turn middle-class jobs into sweatshop jobs. Same hardworking folks in Mexico in a U.S. multinational plant, identical plant, identical product, 
making a buck fifty an hour after a job getting a sweatshop job for that Goodyear plant or that auto factory where in the US the union workers making twenty five bucks in benefits. That race to the bomb has to stop. So problem is the labor and environmental standards that are in there are neither strong enough to really stop the job outsourcing, nor are they enforceable in a real way. Plus, Trump let Big Pharma rig the New Deal by adding in special protections that would lock in high medicine prices. So that's a new wow. problem. Wow. Why the old am I problem not of outsourcing isn't fixed, right. and this new thing got added. Unbelievable. So it's part fixed, part worse, and part half-baked. So, so we're it, it, we're no better off than we were before, basically, because you give one, you give on one thing, but you got get pushed back on the other. Well, here's a really interesting thing, Nicole. What's mm-hmm. happening is the Democrats in Congress, after all these years of demanding and getting rid of the ISDS corporate tribunals, and that's right. such important symbolism around the world for other countries, yes, who want out of that regime and have been watching the U.S. push it down everyone's throats. So, what what the Democrats in Congress basically said is, hey. If we could strengthen the labor and environmental stuff and make it really enforceable, if we could have a trade agreement that got rid of ISDS and some of these other problems in NAFTA, uh-huh. and we got that pharma stuff out so there's nothing new bad, that's a deal actually worth harvesting. Because that could make people's lives better in North America. It's not a transformational progressive deal. Mm-mm. But if we could stop the ISDS corporate attacks, we could actually do something about the environmental and labor standards and enforcement to a point that you'd help raise wages in Mexico and slow down the outsourcing, yeah. hell, that's worth delivering. Yeah. So what they're doing is they've said to Trump, listen, buddy, the deal that you signed at the end of last year doesn't fix the existing NAFTA race to the bottom in outsourcing and adds this new big pharma garbage. We're not having that. But if you would like to finish the job and get rid of the big pharma garbage, add the environmental labor standards and enforcement, then... We could work with you to have a deal that we actually, unlike the one you signed, know would work and be somewhat better for people on the planet. We'll take that. You have to do it, though, the real way. Right. And so now they're scrambling over that fight. Will the president make the changes? Nancy Pelosi, as speaker, has basically said, no changes, no vote. So now they're kind of eyeballing each other. And then the president came up with these lunatic, racist, border new tariffs on Mexico over immigration. So things are in a bit of a... Things are in a big knockdown drag at this very moment. And it's a really important time for people to be in touch with their members of the House of Representatives to get them to promise they will not vote on any trade deal that doesn't have the rest of these damn fixes done. Mm-hmm. So that actually the deal we get is either there's no vote because Speaker Pelosi sticks to her position or the vote that's coming is on an agreement that actually cleans up the mess that Trump left over when he signed his new NAFTA last year. Aye. Good luck to us all. Uh, so, okay, so so Lori Wallach, again, um, you can find her. All, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of information about this at citizen.org slash trade, so people can and read up faster, on it. Yeah, tradewatch.org. There you go. Tradewatch.org. Tradewatch. Go directly to it. <laughs> That's easier. All the updates, all the information. Okay, tradewatch.org. I'll be sure to put that on my blog. Um, and Lori Wallach, I hope that we can get you back on for a longer segment because there are so many more questions I have for you. After all, Trump blew everything up. Uh, now, not only were we dealing with the Mexico-Canada thing and then the new tariffs on Mexico, but the, 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 the trade war. He started with China, where the prices on everything are going up, from Walmart to Costco, notifying consumers that their prices will go up because of these tariffs that Trump put into effect. Um, I, I guess he doesn't understand how tariffs work. But, um, you know, that's a story for another day. Plus, what's happening with the, you know, with the, the Trans-Pacific Partnership without the United States? What's happening with the trade pacts with the rest of the world? Are we going to be left out in the cold? Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Yeah, as you can tell, I have a million questions for you, and I know you need to run. So, um, Lori Wallach, thank you so much for being with us today. And I will uh, get in touch with your office and try to set up a, a longer time when I can just really dig deep and ask you all these questions that are buzzing through my mind. I would love to do it. And the very short answer is, it is better to not have more corporate trade agreements mm-hmm. than to get in agreements just for the hell of making an agreement with another country. The trick is neither Trump's nationalism and isolationism or the old neoliberal NAFTA TPP festival of disaster. Rather, we need trade agreements, but not getting in them just because it's with another country, but with the right rules. Right. And that is where... 
the fight over replacing NAFTA right now, if we can force, and the president really wants to replace NAFTA, so if the Democrats can force him, if we all can get our Democratic members of Congress to stick tight and make him make the changes, that would be a place to start the big fight over what, how we really fix the, the trade agreements when we get a next progressive president. That oh. is the short answer to that long question. Okay, and one last question, and then I'll let you go because I know you've got to run. Are there any, uh, any of the Democrats on the stage, on the, you know, hoping, vying for the Democratic nomination, are any of them saying the right things? Do you think any of them understand what's going on? You bet. Warren and Sanders both, Sanders mm-hmm. and Warren both uh-huh. understand. Tim Ryan understands. Yeah. To some degree, I would say there are a couple of others who understand. The problem is people like Biden and Buttigieg, they uh-huh. really do not get, get it. it. And so they're just talking about the same old, same old. And as a result, that's the kind of way that Trump could get a second term. Is yep. If you've got the Democrat basically saying, as Biden just has in the last two months, oh, so sad we're out of TPP. Aye. Oh, Aye. I was for NAFTA and I still love it. Oh, we don't have a China trade problem. That yeah. is a recipe for disaster, there electorally. Absolutely. Lori Wallach, I appreciate it. Find Lori on Twitter at Wallach, W-A-L-L-A-C-H, Lori, L-O-R-I, and of course, uh, globaltradewatch.org. Lori, thank you so much. I will be in touch and hopefully have that longer conversation Perfect. sometime in the very near future. I really, really appreciate it. Take care. Look forward to it. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, Lori Wallach, there you go, the director of Public Citizens Global Trade Watch. Again, um, in the last, over the last decade, and I have been doing this show that long, blows my mind. You know, we're coming up on the 10th anniversary of uh, the end of Air America Radio in January. It was January 21st, 2010, that I was doing a late night show on Air America. It was on at 11 p.m. Eastern. And... Um, um, when when the network went off the air, I found out at five o'clock that afternoon when a listener messaged me on Facebook and said, "Did you hear the Air America announcement?" And that night, I just I just moved online, and so I'm coming up on the official tenth anniversary of. I guess, the latest incarnation of this show, even though it's been through all different changes. Anyway, I talked to Lori Wallach about NAFTA on numerous occasions, about the TPP and and the transatlantic partnership that they were just putting together and all that stuff. So um, uh, she's she's a great resource for this. I, I only had her until, <laughs> until 3.15, so that's why I was rushing to get her on and rushing to get through it. And uh, I hope it answered some questions, um, obviously. When it comes to trade, I admit there's a lot I don't know. Sadly, there's more that Donald Trump doesn't know, but he doesn't ask the questions. He just pretends like he has all the answers. By the way, I loved Lori Wallach's answer, when I, and I didn't know what her answer was going to be. Um, but when I asked her which of the Democratic contenders gets it, understands uh, the whole trade um uh, uh, difference. And, um, Sanders and Warren, Sanders and Warren, Tim Ryan, but he's, he's, uh, he, he, he doesn't count at this point. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's see, uh, how he's coming up in a little bit. We have what's news. I could do that. You know what? How about we do that? We'll do what's news. I, I, I'm going to give you the recorded version because um, there's not a lot of sound on it. It's a lot of me reading. And then I'll come back. Well, you know what? Before we start, let me give you the breaking news, news that has broken since I recorded what's news this morning. Then we'll do the recorded version. Then I'll give you other stuff that I couldn't fit in. Okay, we start with this just out breaking from the Washington Post. I'm just going to read it to you verbatim. Faced with, and I won't say President and Trump, Together, even if it's written in the newspaper, I'm sorry, my mouth doesn't go there. So I cross out president and I'll I'll substitute it with Donald or dotard or asshole or shithead or, you know, fill in the blank. Faced with fill in the blank Trump's threat to impose escalating tariffs on Mexican goods beginning Monday, Mexican officials have pledged to deploy 6,000 National Guard troops to the country's border region with Guatemala, a move aimed at making immediate reductions in the number of Central Americans heading north. The deal would give the United States authority to deport asylum seekers from Honduras and El Salvador to Guatemala. That's the first country they set foot upon as they head north. And to send asylum seekers from Guatemala back to Mexico. 
Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, he, he does something so blatantly disgusting and not what it's meant to be used for like this. And Mexico cowers and, 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 and gives in to his demands. I'm flummoxed. I'm blown away. I guess to quote Donald Trump, we'll see what happens. We'll see. Yeah. Um, in good news, finally, I should say, from the finally files, House Democrats have officially introduced a resolution to hold Attorney General William Barr and former White House counsel Don McGahn in contempt of Congress for failing to comply with congressional subpoenas. It's about fucking time. Now, the contempt resolution allows Judiciary Chairman Gerald Nadler to go to court to seek civil enforcement of the subpoena for Barr to turn over special counsel Robert Mueller's unredacted report and underlying evidence, as well as that for McGahn to provide documents and public testimony. I hope it also includes um, uh, 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 Barr being forced to come back and testify before the House Judiciary Committee. None of this... We're refusing to comply with subpoenas bullshit. Um, today, Donald Trump is supposed to sign into law the disaster aid package for hurricane and, and um, um, uh, hurricane and uh, flood relief. It finally passed the House earlier this week when, when Congress returned to session after three failed attempts during the recess due to Republican objections just because they were being assholes. So, so that happened. Then Trump has to get on his soapbox and tweet, just signed disaster aid bill. So important for our great American farmers and ranchers. Help for Georgia, Florida, Iowa, Nebraska, North Carolina, and California. Puerto Rico should love resident Trump. He put a P on it, but again, I can't say those two words together, so you got it. Without me, they would have been shut out. He is such a fucking liar because the reason this bill was delayed was because Trump wanted to shut out any aid for Puerto Rico. He is lying to you. God, it just boggles my mind that people buy his brand of bullshit. All right. Now, here's what's news. I read the news today. Oh, boy. It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. Donald Trump has joined other world leaders in northern France to mark the 75th anniversary of the D-Day invasion. That's when Allied forces landed on the beaches of Normandy to push Nazi forces from France in the largest amphibious assault ever launched. Joining Trump and the other world leaders were 173 U.S. World War II veterans, including 65 who were there on D-Day. Back here at home, the Trump administration has begun cutting services for unaccompanied migrant children staying at federal shelters across the country. The Office of Refugee Resettlement started discontinuing funding for activities, including English classes, recreational programs like soccer, and even legal aid. The discontinued services were deemed, quote, not directly necessary for the protection of life and safety. This according to Department of Health and Human Services spokesman Mark Weber. The move could violate a federal court settlement and state requirements that mandate education and recreation for minors in federal custody. YouTube announced Wednesday that it will remove thousands of videos and channels advocating bigoted ideologies such as white supremacy and neo-Nazism under a new policy to tackle extremism on the platform. The move comes as YouTube is facing intense scrutiny over its user standards. The policy will ban videos alleging that a group is superior in order to justify discrimination, segregation, or exclusion. In a blog post, the company continued, quote, it's our responsibility to protect that and prevent our platform from being used to incite hatred, harassment, discrimination, and violence. Speaking of real fake news, between 1981 and 1995, Donald Trump planted at least five fake stories in New York tabloids alleging that members of the British royal family were considering moving into his properties. CNN reporting Wednesday that the stories were allegedly spread by the con man himself. Trump even reportedly spread a rumor in 1983 that Prince Charles and Princess Diana were looking at buying an apartment in Trump Tower. 
All of the reports, however, were shut down by Buckingham Palace. Despite all those denials, Trump still told Howard Stern in 1993 that Princess Diana was once again looking to buy an apartment in Trump Tower. Quote, I hope she's looking at, she's really hot. She's gained 20 to 25 pounds. She looks great. There could be a love interest. I'd become King of England. King of England. I'd have to leave. I'd have to lose the New York accent quickly. Trump actually said those words on Howard Stern's radio show. So Elizabeth Warren held a town hall Tuesday night in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where she was asked about Joe Biden's stance in favor of the Hyde Amendment, which prohibits the use of federal funds for abortions, except in the case of rape, incest, and to protect the life of the mother. Here's her answer. Is Joe Biden wrong? Yes. So Why, why is he wrong? Here's how I look at this. I've, I've lived in America where abortions were illegal. Yeah. And understand this. Women still got abortions. Now, some got lucky on what happened, and some got really unlucky on what happened. But the bottom line is they were there. And under the Hyde Amendment, under every one of these efforts to try to chip away or to push back or to get rid of Roe versus Wade, understand this. Women of means will still have access to abortions. Who won't will be poor women will be working women, will be women who can't afford to take off three days from work, will be very young women, will be women who've been raped, will be women who have been molested by someone in their own family. We do not pass laws that take away that freedom from the women who are most vulnerable. In today's impeachment news segment, Nancy Pelosi told senior Democrats that she'd like to see Donald Trump, quote, in prison as she clashed with House Judiciary Chairman Jerry Nadler in a meeting on Tuesday night over whether to launch impeachment proceedings. Nadler reportedly pressed Pelosi to allow his committee to launch an impeachment inquiry against Trump. It's the second time he's made such a request in recent weeks, only to be told no by leadership. Pelosi reportedly stood firm, reiterating that she wasn't open to the idea of impeaching Trump at this time. And finally, the FBI released 22 documents from the records vault on Wednesday detailing the agency's research on Bigfoot. The documents show that an analysis was done on a sample of hair believed to be from Bigfoot. Peter Byrne, then director of the Bigfoot Information Center and Exhibition in Oregon, wrote to the FBI requesting that the agency's lab test 15 unidentified hair samples attached to a piece of tissue. The FBI agreed in the interest of research and scientific inquiry, and, well, the results say, quote, The hairs were compared directly with hairs of known origin under a comparison microscope. It was concluded as a result of these examinations that the hairs are of deer family origin. Deer. And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports and the Nicole Sandler Show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is 100% listener supported, and I can't do it without your help. Find out more at NicoleSandler.com slash donate. This is a huge, huge issue. And we're talking about it. The Nicole Sandler Show on Progressive Voices and NicoleSandler.com. Yeah, you know, somehow I don't buy that the the Bigfoot hair was from a deer. I like, uh, who said it in the chat room? Sue Sorensen. The hair was belonging to Trump? Yeah. Uh, I believe that more than a deer. So the Bigfoot. Uh, mystery, still a mystery. Uh, before we get Howie Klein on the line, because we got another minute, I watched the Elizabeth Warren town hall on MSNBC last night, and oh my God, she's good. I have a few concerns. I want to make sure she's strong enough on Medicare for all. I have a few questions about her votes when it comes to military spending, a few things like that. I'm trying to get a good Elizabeth Warren surrogate. I've asked for Elizabeth Warren. I somehow don't think that's going to happen. But at least a surrogate who can speak for her. So I'm trying uh, to do that. So just know that that's hopefully in the works. But um, uh, one thing that uh, – and I like Chris Hayes who moderated the thing last night. Um, and, and Chris Hayes asked – actually pulled out a piece of tape to show Elizabeth Warren back in 2005 when she was a mere professor who was questioning – 
the members of, I believe, the Senate Judiciary Committee over, well, an important issue. Uh, Let's roll the tape. I submit, Senator, that there are many in the credit industry right now who are getting their bankruptcies prepaid. That is, they have squeezed enough out of these families in interest and fees and payments that never paid We should talk about usury rates then. Maybe that's what we should be talking about, not bankruptcy. I'll be the first. Invite me. I I know you will, but let's call a spade a spade. Your problem with the credit card companies is usury rates from your position. It's not about the bankruptcy bill. But, Senator, if you're not going to fix that problem, you can't take away the last shred of protection for I these got families. It. Okay. Uh, you're a very good professor. Yes, she is. <laughs> Thank you. So there's Elizabeth Warren questioning Joe Biden, who at the time was the chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, about his legislation, the bankruptcy bill that protects the credit card companies. Joe Biden, for decades, was the senator from Delaware. Delaware is where your credit card companies are based because they have tax advantages in Delaware. Look at the look where you send your credit card payments to or look where the company is based whether it be Mastercard or Visa they're based in Delaware. Delaware is the credit card capital of the world because their 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 um laws are more favorable to them there. And Joe Biden was fighting with Elizabeth Warren, who was in this bankruptcy bill. It used to be if you filed for bankruptcy, your your debts were wiped out. Your credit card bills were zeroed out. No more. In this new then 2005 credit card bill, you're still on the hook for those credit card bills. Different kind of bill, you know what I'm saying? The, to pay what's owed, even if we file bankruptcy, those um, debts are not discharged. Elizabeth Warren last night uh, called him out on on this Hyde Amendment thing. Former Vice President Joe Biden came out and said that he would not support repealing the Hyde Amendment. That is a provision of federal law that bars the federal government from funding abortion services from Medicare, Medicaid, and others. Um, you disagree with that position? Yes, I do. Is Joe Biden wrong? Yes. So why, why is he wrong? Here's how I look at this. I've, I've lived in America where abortions were illegal. Yeah. And- you know what? I played this clip for you already in What's News. Just suffice it to say, Joe Biden is in favor of the Hyde Amendment, which prohibits federal funds from being used for abortions under any circumstances. Now, when the law initially passed, Joe Biden voted against the provision allowing for exceptions for uh, rape, incest, and uh, the health of the mother. Joe Biden voted against those exceptions. Exceptions were passed for rape and incest, and guess what? When it came back around again a few years later, Joe Biden again voted against those exceptions. Joe Biden believes he should have more say over what you and I do with our bodies than we do. And that's a problem. Okay, well, you know what time it is, right? It is Thursday. It is time to break out the dirty Debbies. Are you a multinational corporation hungry for a treat? Well, come on down to Schmucky Chuckies, where you'll personally be seated by Chuck Schumer himself. So many dishes, and they're all fresh. You're going to love our Blue Dog special, the Dino Burger, because we say so. A good hamburger and french fries. And every burger comes with a side order of grits. I love grits. I love anything with corn. It's corn. All for only $50,000. Wash it all down with a dirty Debbie. Nine-tenths water, one-tenth orange juice. After a week or two, you drink this, it's 200 calories and it's acetic. And wipe your mouth with a tissue print of Glass-Steagall. For dessert, try our DNC tarts. Little cookies, tell the quality of that. Most restaurants give you a mint, but at Schmucky Chuckies, you get complimentary. Sweet and low. Who picks up the tab for all this? Find out now with Howie Klein of DownWithTyranny.com on The Nicole Sandler Show. Ah, it's always good to hear about the Dirty Debbies and the complimentary sweet and low when we introduce Howie Klein of Down With Tyranny and the Blue America Pack, who joins us every Thursday. Hey, Howie. Hi. Soon we're going to have to start changing that to something about Cherry Bustos. 
Oh, okay. We we can probably work Cherry Bustos into the mix there. Uh, she's certainly deserving of it. Um, I, I got to ask before we get started, if you had the uh, chance to watch Elizabeth Warren's town hall last night on uh, MSNBC. I had planned to. I, you know, Chris uh, Hayes is yeah, my favorite. Mine too, um, right? Uh, anchor on uh, MSNBC. And, uh, and I love Elizabeth Warren, so I was planning to. And then a friend came over and... Uh, I, I couldn't put it on the TV. Ah, okay. Well, you know, you missed Elizabeth Warren being Elizabeth Warren. She was Her really, she was really good. Well, I've gotten so many emails today from people telling me how great she was. She was really good. Uh, uh, and and the more I've been vocal about supporting her, and I'm very clear, Bernie Sanders is still my first choice. <clears throat> At this moment, on June 6, 2019, with the election being still a year and a half away, um, but Elizabeth Warren is, is my second choice, and I've been saying all along, watch her. Slow and steady wins the race. A lot of people are saying, oh, she got off to such a bad start. She's not getting any traction. It's just give her a chance. But, you know, listeners, a few listeners have been reaching out to me with concerns. For instance, and and these issues were not addressed last night during the debate, and I want to get somebody on who can address where she stands on this matter. I don't know if you know of anyone who's acting as a surrogate for her who might be able to. Okay, because I want to know. One question is, she's been very cozy with the charter schools. In fact, she recently did a, a rally or an event in Oakland, and somebody who was like a, a big in the in the charter school uh, community it had her uh, introduced her. Um, I want to know where she is on on charter schools versus public education. Um, that's just one. Uh, I think she's a little too um, willing to go along with the massive defense spending budgets that have been brought up in the past. Um, that's that's a concern I have. I'm also concerned about how all in she is on Medicare for all, if she's really for Medicare for all or if she's one of for one of the more watered down programs. Do you know the answers to any of these? Um, uh, well, I don't know. The, certainly don't know anything about the charter school thing. Uh, let, uh, and the last one is the only one I've actually put any thought into. Okay, uh, Medicare for more all. Than just, yeah. And, that, and what I see is that she, her preference is Medicare for all. And if it's going to, and she's a more seems to be more willing to uh, to go for one of the watered down versions of yeah. it uh, if she can't get what she really wants, which is Medicare for all. That that that's how I see it. Uh, I even I even recall Bernie co-sponsoring one of the other bills that's not quite as good as Medicare for all. Hmm. Uh, in the hope that it would be that he'd get Medicare for all, but that this might be, uh, you know, all that they could get. So I'm, I'm, I can't I can't recall which one it was, but I remember being surprised to see his name on it. Okay. Well, yeah, it, it, this it just, it bears investigation, and I don't need the answers today. I will continue to do more research into Elizabeth Warren because I really like a lot of what she has to say. And as I said to one of the listeners who is questioning me, I'm not going to be 100% in agreement with anybody, even Bernie. And if I were to run for office, probably within two weeks of my announcing my run, I would disagree with one of my original stances on something because opinions change and issues change. And um, But I, I still really like Elizabeth Warren. I can say that in the uh, mid early to mid-1970s, I formed an opinion of Joe Biden <laughs> yeah. that he's a... Can I say piece of shit on this? You can, yes. Uh, that he's a piece of shit. And that was about, I don't know, 1973 or four. Uh, and uh, that hasn't changed. Yeah. That, that I've always thought he's a piece of shit. I still think he's a piece of shit. And I've never had a good thing to say about him since I started writing down with tyranny. Yeah. Joe Biden is a piece of shit. Well, one so thing. So not everything changes. Yeah, that's true. One thing that you missed in that town hall last night, I got it, and I agree with you on Chris Hayes. I think he does the best show on MSNBC. He pulled out a piece of tape from 2005 when Elizabeth Warren was a professor 
I believe, from Harvard, who was one of the witnesses um, who was there to testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee, of which Joe Biden was chair, um, when they were doing hearings on that horrific bankruptcy bill that Joe Biden yes. wrote. They, they, had a, they had a big fight, and that went on for some time. Right. Well, uh, I've got a, I, I just played it, and I'm sure the listeners wouldn't mind hearing it again because you didn't hear it last night. This is what Chris, uh, Chris Hayes played last night, Elizabeth Warren questioning Joe Biden in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee in 2005 about that horrible bankruptcy bill. I submit, Senator, that there are many in the credit industry right now who are getting their bankruptcies prepaid. That is, they have squeezed enough out of these families in interest and fees and payments that never Maybe we should talk about usury rates then. Maybe that's what we Senator, should be talking about, not bankruptcy. I'll be the first. Invite me. No, I, I know you will, but let's call a spade a spade. Your problem with the credit card companies is usury rates from your position. It's not about the bankruptcy bill. But, Senator, if you're not going to fix that problem, you can't take away the last shred of protection from I these got families. It. Okay. Uh, you're a very good, Professor. <laughs> Thank you. Um, she was very good then. Right, I mean, she's, she's, she's very now. good, but that wasn't that much of a stretch to be no. able to come back with that answer. I mean, and he's very bad. Yes. Right. And talking about usury rates, I don't know what the credit card interest rates were in 2005, but they probably weren't up at the like 25 to 35 percent that most of them sit at today. And he cleared the way for that. I'm sorry. I don't remember what they were either. I've been lucky. I I never paid one penny interest rate uh, (laughs) in in my life. I mean, I, you know, get my credit card bills and and I pay them. Well, that's because you have money, Howie. You, you, you've been lucky, and you've been—you're very accomplished in your life. You've had some amazing jobs and been president of Reprise Records. And there, you know, there are those of us who live. I was very not, poor at one time in my yeah, life as well, by the way. And you lived within your means, and you didn't charge anything. I, I, I get you. I know when you were when you were younger. Um, you know, I've been in this position ever since the 2008 financial uh, meltdown under George W. Bush. Um, I lost my then job uh, a, a week before every. Everything crashed with Clear Channel and, um, mm. you know, and, and haven't had a real steady income since. Um, there was a little bit of time at Air America when things were sort of OK, but I was an independent contractor and not an official employee. So I've had to live, you know, uh, not paycheck to paycheck, freelance money earned to freelance money earned with credit cards in the middle. Um, so there are a lot of us who have to, with no, you know, no choice in the matter, and the the rates that they charge. And Joe Biden's going off about usury rates. Hello, it, for someone who was, you know, the 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 um, uh, senator representing the credit card industry based there in Delaware, uh, he's done a pretty damn good job on their behalf. Yes, he has, and and you know, he may say he may try to make himself sound like he's critical of usury rates, but he's certainly never done anything about getting, uh, stopping them. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, Bernie and Elizabeth Warren have both put forth legislation to uh, prevent uh, these in- incredible rates of interest. And Biden, that's, you know, he, could, he easily could have done that any time nope. in his, you know, decades and decades in the Senate and never did. Right. Well, and again, he represented... Uh, Delaware, most people don't realize that Delaware is the state where a lot of LLCs are set up, especially yeah. banking corporations and credit cards, because their laws there are favorable to them. And that's, you know, thanks in good part to Joe Biden. So, And people like Joe Biden. I yeah. mean, the, you know, the, uh, the two senators who, who represent and the, and the congresswoman who represent Delaware now are very much like Biden. They're in they're in that mold. He set the mold. They right. will fit the mold. Well, Chris they're Coons replaced very, very Biden, right? Chris Coons stepped in after Biden left. Carper has always been horrible, and I can't think who's the congressperson from Delaware. And there's probably it's a relatively new woman named uh, Lisa Blunt Rochester, usually okay. listed on list under B. Okay, for Blunt. <laughs> There you go. No, and I had never heard of her before, so I guess she's fairly new. But yeah, the two uh, senators are are both Democrats, but not progressives. So so here's Joe Biden, who's, um, you know, last weekend, the California Democratic Convention had their gathering. It was um, the, the, the pieces that I saw on TV were pretty awesome. Um, and uh, Joe Biden, I guess, didn't think he had to show up. 
Right. Well, you know, there's been a lot of speculation about why Joe Biden didn't show up. Uh, For one thing, he, you know, remember, the first person who endorsed, the first senator who endorsed Joe Biden was Dianne Feinstein. Uh And if you recall, when she ran for re-election, the California Democratic Party refused to uh, endorse her re-election. I remember. So he sensed that there could be some trouble ahead if he went there. There's a lot of things that Joe Biden doesn't want to talk about. And, you know, and in California, those things are going to be talked about his his uh, career long racism, his corporatism, his uh, um, anti-choice stand. Those are things that he doesn't want this election to be about. Right. And going to California could could uh, could bring those things up and highlight them for the media. And that's not what he wants. The other thing, if you've noticed. Biden's uh, when Biden does speak in front of the public, it's like, you know, it's like Potemkin village time. Everything is very, very carefully set up. There are no chance encounters with Joe Biden. Joe Biden is staying away from the media. No one puts a microphone in Joe Biden's face Mm -hmm. anymore. No, there are no cameras allowed when Joe Biden is in a room unless all set up in advance. So going to the California convention, the Democratic convention, would have been the last thing in the world they'd want to do. And I'm sure when he saw the two people who were closest to him ideologically among the uh, the candidates, John Delaney and um, uh, Frackenlooper, right. being booed off stage, I'm sure he he said, oh, God, did we Good make the right decision? Go. Right. Because he probably imagined himself being booed off the stage. Right. And, and you know, that moment will come. I, I mean, I can't imagine he's going to be able to make it through the debates without answering some of these tough questions. Now, then again, it depends who's asking the questions and what questions they ask. Right. Well, I mean, I saw uh, Beto go after him in a big way uh, in the last day or two. And I and Elizabeth Warren has as well. Uh, not all the time, but occasionally she has gone after him in a way that he would not be able to uh, handle. So I, I, I agree with you. I mean, he, something's going to happen during those debates. Someone is going to take him on. Even, even uh, John Delaney, who is arguably more conservative uh, than Biden, and certainly wants to make that point that he's more conservative than Biden, he may actually come after Biden from the right. Huh. Which oh, would be that would be interesting. interesting. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with uh, with, with him. It, 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 <coughs> <coughs> excuse me. The D the DNC could very well wind up giving him <coughs> a setting that doesn't include the people who are most likely to take him on. Huh. I could see that happening as well. In other words, now that Beto is on record, you know, there's a video uh, attacking Biden by name. And Elizabeth Warren has done the same. I could see the D, the D, uh, the DNC keeping them, you know, putting them on the di- a on different night than right. the, the one night they put Biden on. Despite the fact that it's supposed to be done randomly, yeah. If you believe that, I've got some kind of swampy yeah. land not too far from here that I'll sell you cheap, really cheap. Um, when, it comes to the, when it comes to the DNC, there's untrust, untrustworthy now as they were when Debbie Wasserman Schultz was running it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you have a piece, Howie Klein, up and down with tyranny. Did did the dam just crack on the Biden campaign? Will Democrats nominate a compulsive liar and an anti-choice candidate? Now, this really surprised me in reading down the piece. You have a, a section here about how much politicians lie. And it, and it's a, it's a table according to PolitiFact. Now, I would have thought any day of the week I would have felt safe making a big bet uh, saying that Donald Trump is the biggest liar in politics today, he lie every well, he time he is. opens his mouth, he lies. But you say Rush, they they say Rush Limbaugh lies more. Right. Well, okay. So so I spent like a few hours uh, poring over Politifacts uh, facts <laughs> yes. yesterday. It was yeah. it was really fun. I had a good time doing it. Good. And I included Rush Limbaugh <clears throat> because he had an. I think it was, if I remember correctly. With something like ninety four percent of the state check yes. the lies, right? Yes. You have that in front. Ninety four percent, it says here, right? So it's shocking. So, but the the fact of the matter is, is you can't really pin him uh, with politics per se. In other words, if I just would have used politicians, mm-hmm. then it would have been 
um, clearly Trump, Trump the, right. the biggest liar. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I decided to throw in uh, Rachel Maddow and Sean Hannity and Limbaugh just because they're, you know, they talk about politics all the time. And, and Limbaugh, you know, I mean, what, what this is is that what PolitiFact looks at are, are statements that are made that become, you know, big issues uh, in the public that they have to check. They do, they do fact checks on them. So generally speaking, people who have been in politics for a long time are the ones that get, have the most fact checks. So Trump has a lot of fact checks, and, uh, so, and so does uh, Biden. They have lots and lots of fact checks, and it turns out that they're both outrageous liars. I mean, when you, when you look at that table that I created, you'll notice that although Pelosi and Schumer are up there with the Republicans, other than the two of them and Biden, everybody who's on the top of the list, all the, all the biggest liars are, are all Republicans, then, plus Pelosi and Schumer and Biden. But then when you get to the bottom of the list, there are no Republicans. It's like, you know, Obama and Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. You know, there are quite a few uh, um, situations where PolitiFact finds them uh, you know, maybe half true. There are a lot of half truths there, you'll notice, or, or partially true. And, and I, what I tried to do is just use all of the instances where someone wasn't telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I used the same standard, obviously, for everyone, so it didn't change. But, uh, you know, it, it's shocking to see what a liar Joe Biden is. Shocking. However, Joe Biden, why should Joe Biden be, be scared? I, if he had like, what, what was it, like 62% 60, or something 60, like that? 61%. Right. Yeah, 61% of his public statements have been lies. Wow. And that's just horrifying. It except is. for one thing. You can compare him to Trump, and then it's like, oh, he's not that bad of a liar. Well, you know, that's not a good enough bar. You cannot be taking someone who's terrible and then saying, well, Trump is worse. Yes, Trump is worse. But... Lying 61% of the time is not acceptable. And, you know, and whenever you look at an issue, Biden is lying, lying and lying and lying. I I watched that video of Biden speaking at the ACLU meeting, and this um, elderly woman comes up to him and about the Hyde Amendment. And she she starts asking him about an issue he doesn't want to talk about. Now, Biden... Still lives in the 1950s. He right. doesn't realize. I mean, he. I mean, if you ask him and he thinks about it, he'll realize. But his instincts are not to realize is that, that when you lie, people check, and it's easy to check. In the 1950s, it was not. You could say anything you want, and no one's going to check, right. and no one would find out. And it's just about that conversation. So, in other words, if he was having that conversation with that woman back when he was a younger man. It would end right there. I mean, he lied to her. He, she's happy. She walks away happy that he told her that he, he no longer favors the, uh, the Hyde Amendment. That's what he said. He said he doesn't favor it. She wanted to make sure, so she asked him again. And again, he said he didn't favor it. He said that um, it's got to, we got to get rid of it. And then, you know, a couple of days later, his campaign comes out and says, well, actually, uh, he does favor the Hyde Amendment, and we don't want to get rid of it. And that's the stand that he is taking now, that they have they, for his political for his, the political reasons that he's trying to uh, trying to run his campaign by. He's saying that he he backs the Hyde Amendment. So the thing is, is that he's an instinctual liar, mm-hmm. and when 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 you and and you can't deal with a, with, with someone who just lies all the time. You're, you're, you know, you don't know what to believe. I mean, it's gaslighting all over again. Yes. It's, an, it's not as bad as Trump, but way, way worse than everyone else. I mean, he's not Obama. Obama did not instinctually lie every time he opened his mouth. It's not Bernie Sanders. It's not Elizabeth Warren. You know how many lies Elizabeth Warren told since she, she's been in politics? Zero. Yeah. None. I have her there uh, because, you know, it's not at zero because I included what PolitiFact included as uh, partial lies, partial truth. So, I, so that's why she has a number at all. But all of the categories that they have that are more about lying than partial truth, she has a zero. She doesn't lie. Right. Right. She has no need to. <clears throat> Biden, on the other hand, is a deceiver. 
He has been his entire career. It's his instincts. He is someone who lies. When he gets put in a corner, he, he just goes into lying mode. So that, that was a part of the, uh, I mean, the post was really, I was, when I started writing the post, it was just about how Biden stood on, uh, on the issue of choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, Biden has always been an anti-choice Democrat, and anyone who doesn't realize that hasn't followed his career. Like I said, I discovered Biden in the early 70s, and I've been horrified by Biden as being an anti-choice person, being a, being a corrupt politician who's, who's in bed with Wall Street, and being a racist. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so this post that came out today didn't deal with the racism. Uh, tomorrow, I'm working, I'm working on a post today for, to, to, uh, for tomorrow, which is about Biden as being a racist. Does it have to do with him um, lying about marching for civil rights back in the, in the civil rights era? Well, of course, that, was, that is, uh, that is a, a well-known thing that mm-hmm. he, you know, a lot of people, a lot of uh, Democrats who like to fancy themselves as being someone who deserves to be voted for by African-Americans say that all the time. There are always people who are saying, uh, yeah, I marched in this, I marched, uh, but some did and some didn't. Right. He says it, but he didn't. He didn't. You Bernie know, when, Sanders when Bernie says said it. that he did, uh, people, people uh, jumped on him right. and said, well, you can't prove it. And then all of a sudden, all these, these, uh, these pictures. pictures came out yep. that did prove it. And then they criticized him for saying, but what have you done for us lately? I don't care that you marched with King. doesn't matter what you did 50 years ago. What did you do today? These are the, the Zerlina Maxwells who don't ever have a kind word to say about Bernie and will criticize him at every turn. But here's Joe Biden with a, sort of a take on stolen valor. He's claiming that he marched for civil rights back in the day, and he didn't. No, he didn't because he didn't believe in civil rights. Right. He has a long record of saying extremely racist things. And if he's saying them, imagine what he's, what he's thinking. But you don't have to imagine what he's thinking. Just go by what he says. That's right. enough. Right. I mean, he, he, there, are, you know, there are lots and lots of tapes, more of them coming up by the day, of Biden saying very, very, very racist things back in the day. And sticking with the racism right up until Obama decided he needed to balance his ticket because even though Obama really never was, you know, some kind of ultra progressive, he was viewed as someone who was an ultra progressive and he didn't want to be attacked on that basis by picking a really progressive person from his left to run with. So he picked the most conservative uh, uh, candidate he could find to run with him. And that was, Joe Biden. I mean, he could have picked Joe Lieberman. It would have been the same kind of garbage. Yeah. But he picked he picked uh, another stinking heap heap of garbage. uh, Joe Biden. Right. Did you you notice on the bottom of my post there there are some um, some some uh, comments? Yes. And the first comment is the kind that I hate so much you can't imagine. It's always someone anonymous. Uh Right. It's always you have a lot of anonymous anonymous. posters at down. And they come in and they say, you know, oh, you're 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 me. I'm going to cause. The yeah. election of uh, here it says sure let's Trump let's lose because Biden purity. isn't pure enough for you sheesh no this right. is the primary season this is when we shoot for the best there is and Joe Biden is not that person exactly and happily the woman underneath him answered the question in a really intellectual and uh, honest way mm-hmm. and I was really so happy. Because I never answer these questions. Yeah, my blood pressure goes up when I see them. <laughs> and she did a great job uh-huh. uh, calling the person out uh, in, in the comment section. And, you know, you, you know, Digby, I don't know if Digby still has it this way, but the last time she and I talked about comments, she told me she had closed her comment section um, down. I, I don't think it. so. I, I don't think so. I've, um, I, you know, the last time I checked, and I, I don't often read the comments. I read Digby's blog all the time. But the last time I checked, I still saw comments there. Yeah, she closed it down. I guess she reopened it, and yeah. that I think she, she does that every now and then. You know, when they get like horrible enough, she just closes yeah. it down, and then apparently she opens it up again. But uh, you know, I, I wish I had the uh, the capacity to to block people who come on with with this kind of nonsense. This you know about this purity bullshit. I, I you know I've, I've talked about it so many times. I can't just keep repeating it over and over again. But I don't know how to do it, especially. Uh, uh, for someone who 
signs on as anonymous. Right. I know there's a way to do it, and real techies know how to do that kind of thing, but I'm far from that. <laughs> you could you could always um, use discuss or disgust or however it's pronounced for your comments. Although on the blogger platform that you use, I don't know if they can. I know on mine, but people don't comment on my blog. Um, uh, yeah, that's the problem with comments on blogs is, you know, the anonymous thing. And, and uh, uh, you can't call people out when they post anonymously. So, Right. I and I, I, like I said, I was so happy that the woman under him came mm-hmm. in with a really beautiful answer. Absolutely. You know, I, I love when that happens. <laughs> uh, sometimes things work out like that. Howie Klein, find him at downwithtyranny.com. And, of course, here every Thursday. Thank you, as always, Howie. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care. All right, and I'll see you tomorrow. I think Ari Berman is going to be here. He's been working on a huge story about that uh, citizenship question on the census. Until then, keep the faith, baby.